I'd like to have you turn, if you will, back to the second Timothy chapter, chapter four. It's part of our reading, of course, it was our reading this morning, but it is also part of our, our study. This continuing study that we began back on New Year's Eve in dealing with the deep state, the deeper state, and the deepest state. I think we're, giving, we're getting an idea of what we're facing in the 21st century, especially now, as we see the day of Christ approaching. And it's, it's really important for us to understand this, that as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be awaiting the return of Jesus. And knowing that his return is imminent, which means it can happen at any moment. There's no prophetic scripture that has to be fulfilled before the coming of Jesus, though every day prophecy is being fulfilled. So let's understand that. We need to know that Jesus has promised to come, as I mentioned from John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. The Apostle Paul making clear in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 of this event that we call the rapture of the church. We need to be ready for it. But we need to know who and what we wrestle against. And so, once again, in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4, I'll read it to you. I charge thee, therefore, before God. This is Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, who was a pastor in Ephesus, and who by this time now was struggling in ministry. You've got to understand, ministry isn't easy. And here's the reason, because ministry has, involves having to deal with people. <laughs> but he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant. In season. Out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That is today. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I direct you to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 7 through 12. A passage that we read last week as well, but listen again to the words of Paul to this church. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, which means he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, that is the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, 
because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, there are quite a lot of dots to connect today. We've been connecting dots since New Year's Eve. And we're going to connect a lot more between now and maybe in two weeks. But before we get into that, I need to say that everything that we've covered so far in our previous studies will lead us to see the deeper, if not the deepest state of the world, the flesh, and the devil as the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ draws near. And it will cause us to ask this question. What else is being planned and what can we expect? Now, while we have already identified the motivator behind the unseen deepest state that is influencing the world as we see it today, that it would be the Nahash, the serpent of Genesis chapter 3, we have also referred to the plan of Almighty God against this wicked one. The reason why the Lord sent his only begotten son to take upon himself flesh. John in 1 John chapter 3 verse 8, and this is review because I, I, I shared this last time. But 1 John 3 verse 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, and this is what you need to see, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That is one of his purposes in coming. Yes, he came to save us. Yes, he came to die in our place. But he came to destroy, by doing all those things, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, church, a very important side note for believers, and that is that Christians are not to do that which Christ came to destroy. What are the works of the devil? Everything that is not the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. In faith. So again, believers are not to do that which Christ came to destroy. We are called to be holy, therefore, we are called to have a separate life from the world. Now, there's a simple maxim, and that is if a man knows God, he will obey God. Now, that's easier said than done. If he belongs to the devil, he will obey the devil. That's easier done than said. Think about that. And let's also remember that this enemy of ours is known by many different names in Scripture. Certainly he's known as Satan. This is what you need to know about that name. The name Satan means adversary, an enemy. He will always be our adversary. He doesn't want to make friends with you. He wants to destroy you. He's also known as the devil. And the word devil means accuser. And he accuses us every day. He's called in the book of Revelation, Abaddon or Apollyon. And that word means destroyer. 
the prince of this world, we understand that. We've read it in the book of Ephesians. And then there is the mention of him being called the dragon in, in the book of Revelation. All of these are not nice words when you consider what he's all about. So here, here's the reason why I'm mentioning this, and that is it, because it doesn't matter what you call him. Remember that his chief activity is to oppose Christ and to oppose God's people. That is his chief activity. And he's tireless at it. He doesn't sleep. But neither does our God. And neither does our Lord. I, I thought I might have heard a bigger amen than that. It's okay, you can say amen here. It's all right. The major contrast here is between Christ Jesus, who, by the way, is the creator, and he has no sin, and the devil, who can do nothing but sin, who is a created being. Christ is the obedient son of God. Satan is a rebel. Christ is God, but was willing to become a servant. Satan was a servant wanting to become God. And from the very beginning of his dastardly career, Satan has been a sinning liar, murderer, and, and deceiver. And Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, came to destroy the works of the devil, our constant accuser before the throne of God. And so when we consider the opposition against the Lord and against his Messiah and everyone and everything that falls under his authority, we have to believe that there is a mind behind what is going on today. There is a mind that is going on, albeit a mind that might be very insane, insanely evil, but it is a mind with a plot and with a plan. Take, for example, that there have been efforts for many years to, to move the world as a whole into a one-world government system. Now you might ask the question, well, when did that begin? Well, as we've already mentioned in previous studies concerning the anointed cherub, who we know as Satan, and the devil, the seed was planted before creation in the fall of Lucifer, his other name. Lucifer was the name that he had as light bearer before the throne of God. That was his calling. That was his responsibility. We've read this before a number of times. I'll read it one more time. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14. But there's, <clears throat> but there's a little phrase here that we need to see is connected to this understanding of his desire to have this one world government system. And it's, fall, it's found in, in, in this first verse, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Now we're pointing to something that began before creation but he mentions something that has to do with after creation, the weakening of the nations. How do you weaken the nations? You weaken the nations by having one dictator that tries to rule over it all in opposition to the rule of the one true and perfect God who created all things, 
for his purposes. But then we realize the kind of heart that this Lucifer came to have. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's the plot. The plan then got underway in the Garden of Eden as the serpent, as the Nahash, who subverted, which means he undermined, he sabotaged, and he destabilized the highest creation of God, man and woman, who had been created in the image of God. And he went right after them and deceived them. The next phase came in Genesis chapter 6 as the enemy would, would use his influence among the angelic beings. Yes, there was a council that Psalm 82 tells us about. The congregation of the mighty. It speaks of the sons of God, the Bene Elohim, before creation. And those that were labeled as God's using the same term, Elohim, in the same psalm. Those would be the ones who would be led into falling as fallen angels and other beings that would come to this earth after creation. Now some would say at the very point of creation. We could talk about that another time. But then there was a third phase to this plot and to this plan, if you will. And that would be the introduction then of a Gibor Said, the Gibor Said, the mighty hunter, whose name is Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, that we're introduced to in Genesis chapter 10 and his effects upon the earth in, verse, in chapter 11. So the dots that connect the Nahash, the serpent, with Nimrod, focus on the determination of the enemy to have one counterfeit to the seed of the woman. Now you can go back and you can read Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, because in that particular verse where God is speaking to the Nahash, to the serpent, he speaks of the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman being singular, that referring then to the coming of Messiah, Jesus Christ. That is his promise. That is the prophecy, the very first prophecy of the coming of Jesus. But as Satan always does, he will always seek to have a, a counterfeit to everything that God does. And so this Nimrod would be that one who would begin to do what? He would begin to pollute, to profane, and to desecrate himself. If you remember back last week, I mentioned that phrase, begin to, in the, in the Hebrew is the word halal, which means to pollute. It means to profane. It means to desecrate self. In other words, Nimrod began to corrupt himself even after the flood. 
And many believe that it was Nimrod who became the progenitor of what we know today as transhuman. I'm not going to go into all the details today. But one of the major issues in science today is this issue, is this issue of transhumanism. And we've talked a little bit about it in time past. We'll talk about it again pretty soon. But in other words, what they're saying is that Nimrod was the original alchemist. Not a chemist like in science, but an alchemist like in the occult. An alchemist would be one who actually would be known to turn lead into gold. That, that kind of thing. But using occultic means, using occultic words and phrases and, 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 and whatnot. And probably a lot of deception at the same time. And that this is applied in, uh, to, directly to this person named Nimrod. And that is what makes it the mystery of Nimrod. We don't really know. But what we have to go by in that respect is that certain Jewish rabbis have translated certain passages of Genesis to give us that indication that this is quite possible. For example, Genesis chapter 10 verse 8, we read it in, in, in our regular translation, Cush, Cush begat Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Mighty is the word gibor. But it was translated by Jewish rabbis this way, and Cush begat Nimrod, which is... A, another alternate name for Nimrod. But notice this, he began to be. There is halal, to pollute, to desecrate. He began to be a giant upon the earth. He began to be a gibor, because the word gibor can also be used for giant. Interesting, isn't it? Because there is nothing in the genealogy of Nimrod in Genesis chapter 10 to indicate that he was already a Nephilim. But then you can go to something called the Jerusalem Targum. And the Targum was, was the scriptures with running commentary. And the Jerusalem Targum, which is a very famous Targum or commentary of, of the Hebrew scriptures, uh, would comment on Genesis 10 verse 9 this way. It says, he was mighty in hunting prey and in sin before God, for he was a hunter of the children of men in their languages, and he said unto them, depart from the religion of Shem and cleave to the institutes of Nimrod. I, I find those words to be very significant here. That, that his whole purpose, which would be the purpose of Satan himself, that Nimrod's whole purpose is to go and to hunt prey, hunt men, and turn them from the God of creation. From the one true and living God. And to, to use the terms, depart from the religion of Shem. Shem, of course, was the son of Noah, through whom the line of Jesus, uh, of David and Jesus would come. Nimrod was not from that line. Of course, he was from the line of Ham. That Ham was the father of Cush, and Cush the father of Nimrod. But still, what it tells us is he, depart, he says, depart from the religion of Shem and cleave to the institutes of Nimrod. That sounds like the world today. 
that says, oh, no, we're not a religion, we're a philosophy. We are, you know, we, we, are, we, we might sound like a religion, but no. No, we, we are a philosophy. We have ideals. We have certain things that we do. You know, we don't, we don't want to link ourselves as, you know, uh, as narrowly to religion as, as that. Well, that's the world today. That's the way Satan deceives people in our day and time. So this would have been the desire of Satan. To have a somewhat more than human representative executing his wishes for a one world government system. And how do we know that? Because all you have to do is look at the first nine verses of Genesis 11. And let's go there. Because this is the effect of Nimrod now on the world. Coming from where? Coming from the motivation of Satan. The Nahash who wants to be God and who said to Eve, God doesn't want you to eat of the fruit because when you do, you'll be just like him. And in effect, he was saying, and like me too. Look at verse 1 of Genesis 11. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there and they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name. Stop there and think. Let us make us a name. We want our own name. We want our own way. We want our own kingdom. We want our own style. We don't want God's style. We want our own. Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. That reveals the fear they had of God, but not in a good sense. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Notice that phrase, the children of men built that city. It wasn't built under the direction of God. It wasn't built under the direction of the Holy Spirit. It was built under the direction and the purposes of Satan. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. There's that phrase, halal. By what they're doing, they are polluting. They are desecrating themselves. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Now Elohim says, go to, let us go down. Let us, one God, in three persons, the Godhead. Let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build 
the city. Therefore, it is the name of uh, therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Now you see the basis. And by the way, just remember this: as God has scattered all these nations, all, all, all or all these people all over to make nations. Nations are very important to God. Boundaries are very important to God. Borders are very important to God. They are. We see it throughout all of of the Old Testament as well as in some places in the New. But you see the basis now for all mystery religions, the basis for all occultic practices and secret societies is actually found in Nimrod and in Babylon or Babel. All the basis for these things. Everything that we see happening today, and certainly in a much more high-tech way by the usage of the internet and, 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 and other means, they still exist. There's witchcraft. There's Satanism. There's demonology. There's all sorts of psychics and psychos out there. Secret societies. Oh, that I had time today to talk about Freemasonry. I'm going to mention it again a little bit later. And I think in two weeks I'm going to talk about it. Yes, we are going to get back to Colossians. Yes, please bear with me. We need to finish this, though. And what the Nahash is doing is preparing the world for Nimrod's return. Because remember, he has a counterfeit. And how will Nimrod return? As the Antichrist, as the beast that has already been promised in Scripture is going to happen, has been prophesied, is going to happen. That's the mystery of iniquity. That is the mystery of iniquity that we saw in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 last week. Let's start there again for the mystery of iniquity does already work. It's already happening. It's already in motion. It is moving. It is progressing. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit in the church of Jesus Christ today. And once the church is taken out of the way, then all hell is going to break loose. And then shall that wicked be revealed. The wicked being the Antichrist. who will be, in a a sense, will be transhuman. But again, we'll talk about that in a later time. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. His days are numbered, folks. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. When does Satan start? Before creation. The plot and the plan that we spoke of earlier. Whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. God has allowed him that. But think about this. How God allows that so that he can show his power to be always greater. Amen? And then with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. The deceit of unrighteousness. That is all around us today, but what do people say about it? Oh, it's it's not that bad. Remember last week? Oh, it's not that bad. That can sometimes be okay. 
No, bad is bad. Evil is evil. Wickedness is wickedness. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, strong deception. They've been deceived and they've accepted the truth of their, of the, quote unquote, the truth of their deception. They've, they've, they've received it as truth. Now God sends them more deception. That they should believe a lie. That lie goes all the way back to the garden. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had a pleasure in unrighteousness. May I ask you a question? What empowers the kingdom of darkness? What empowers the kingdom of darkness? One word, iniquity. Iniquity empowers the kingdom of darkness. Not receiving the love of the truth that they might be saved. Iniquity. Believing a lie. Iniquity. Not believing the truth but having pleasure in unrighteousness. Iniquity. That is the world today, but sadly, it is infecting even the church of Jesus Christ and many of our own children because of the deep state that is having more and more influence in our culture and society now than ever before. And remember that I said the deep state is not just political. The deep state has touched our educational system in a massive way and is affecting our children to this day. Let's ask another question. Is there a secret society then? Is there a secret elite society undergirding all that is going on? Well, I have to say yes. And that comes out of the scriptures as well. Because foundationally, it is an occult or an occultic undercurrent. I just find it interesting that we've used the term, and, and the term is, as I said, used politically, the deep state. There's something underneath, something below us. It is an, it is an occultic undercurrent. There's usage of occult signatures, occult dates, occult symbols, occult people, and occult places. And it's out there. We hardly really ever see it. You know, we could probably live our lives like the, <clears throat> like the movie The Matrix. Is anything real? People just moving along, not knowing that underneath there was something else going on. And quite wicked to, to bring to mind again what we studied in Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we wrestle against. And most of that is in the unseen realm. We see the effects, but we are wrestling that which we cannot see. How much more do we need the power of Almighty God and the understanding of his precious word? So take, for example, then, occultism and a very high level of Satanism. And sorcery are being practiced by very powerful people among the Washington, D.C. establishment. I'm not going to mention any names today, but I will later. 
Some of you, are, are, aren't you worried, you know, that you know, people listening? No, they're going to hear the gospel here in just a minute. But this is the truth. This is what's happening in our world today. And sad to say, it, it involves cross-party manipulation, which simply just means it's not just Democrats, but it's Republicans as well. <laughs> and these are, for the most part, the deep state. Shadow government operatives. We'd be so surprised to hear some of these names. Before I go on, I, I want you to know, you know, you're, you're looking at me like, oh my Lord, Pastor Charlie has become a conspiracy theorist. That's okay, whether you believe that or not. All I know is we're seeing the effects of all of that happening today. Look at this thing called an impeachment hearing. Sham. I don't say that from the political standpoint. I say it from the spiritual standpoint. It is all done to deceive. Everything they say, this is biblical now. Everything that the opposition to the president has said has been everything that they've done. Everything. Bottom line. And again, I don't say that from the political perspective. So those who are involved, were extremely unhappy. Those involved in this, this deep state were extremely unhappy with the election of Donald Trump as President of the United States and, and especially his campaign slogan, Make America Great Again. The fact is, President Trump is not a member of the secret societies that so many other presidents became members of. That's the reason. He's not a member of any of those societies. He's not a Freemason or any of those other secret handshake kind of things. But the spoiled kids don't just pick up their toys and go home. They've done worse. They're, they've done and are doing what we see happening in the news today. Let's add witchcraft to the whole picture. Because witchcraft actually is taking credit for a lot of stuff that's going on today. Uh, witches have been casting spells on President Trump. Some claiming that with each spell, a new piece of information is revealed. Now this goes back a couple of years. It actually goes back before he was elected president. But here's what they claim. That, 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 that with each spell, a new piece of information is revealed. Russian collusion. Tax fraud. Election fraud. All of it has been proven false. All of it. But as these things and many more have been scrutinized in investigation after investigation, these items and others simply are not true. They are truly what people call today fake news. And I consider that the irony of God. And I'll tell you why. Because if we are honest with the scriptures, we know one thing. Donald Trump is president because God put him there. And he put him there for such a time as this. Whether you want to believe that or not, the scriptures are very clear. God puts up and, raise, and, and puts down kings and world leaders. That is why it is very significant that Donald Trump became president because of the Electoral College. That was something put into place 
at the founding of this country. And everyone who opposed him his becoming president, who are claiming, oh, we are here for the Constitution, they want to destroy the Constitution by taking out the Electoral College. Did you see, you see the undercurrent here? Okay, so that's, that's our little jaunt into politics for just a moment. But this is all a part of a global conspiracy, a global conspiracy that we alluded to earlier. And as this hedonism has affected our own government at every level, it has affected education in the church as well. The new religion was promulgated time and time again. Environmentalism. It used to be called global warming, now we call it climate change. By the way, the basis for environmentalism is found in Wicca, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, and a few other isms that we don't have time to list. But environmentalism has been embraced by the liberal churches today. Liberal churches that, do no, lo that lo no longer believe the, the word of God. Can you imagine going to a church where they don't believe in the word of God? They say they do, you know, they, they, they believe certain parts of it. Oh, the nice, you know, you know, Jesus meek and mild kind of thing. But they'll never tell you that Jesus is coming again, and he's coming with eyes as a flame of fire, and with a tongue of the word of God coming forth to judge. Oh, no, no don't, don't mention the word judge, because you know it tells us, that you know, judge not, lest you be judged. So they misinterpret the scriptures. Folks, it's a lie. And they're believing lies in churches. And they're embracing the things of the world. And they're embracing the things of Hinduism, like, like yoga. I, I know I've talked about this many times. I use that as, only as, a, as, a, as an example because of the dangers of what yoga is in Hinduism. And you cannot make it something good. But they've taken this environmentalism, embraced you know, by the, the churches, uh, and they support politically liberal causes, not to mention progressive, socialistic, communistic ideals. Abortion. Seven, over 70 million children have been aborted in this country. You think that's good? God is a God of life. And we're supposed to cherish life. But what have, what have people done? No, they've made it something that is very, very selfish. And again, it comes back to the heart. They are very lax in their immigration policies, wanting no immigration policy whatsoever. They don't want borders. They don't want walls. They want the redistribution of wealth. They want the extreme taxation on the 1% the wealthiest. Not to mention attacks on true biblical evangelicalism, the reliability of the word of God and the inerrancy of scripture. As I mentioned, they don't believe the word of God anymore. If you don't believe the major doctrines of our faith any longer, then you don't believe a word from Genesis to Revelation. If you do not believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, if you do not believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and you consider it as some kind of myth, then you don't believe anything that the word of God says. 
These are just certain facets of the global agenda. The real focus is our children, folks. The focus is our children. In April 1997, in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Global Citizenship 2000 Congress. Now, did you hear? Uh, Youth Congress. I, I, I forgot to put that word in my notes. The Global Citizenship 2000 Youth Congress began with these words. Welcome global citizens. The purpose of the Congress, according to its leaders, was to embed a planetary philosophy as expressed through the World Core Curriculum. Has anybody heard of the World Core Curriculum? Nobody? Look it up. One person. Wow. All right, next week, I'm going to ask the same question. If Greg will let me, I'll ask it. Because you're going to study. You're going to look it up on, you know, World Core Curriculum. You get an understanding about it. So, their purpose is to embed a planetary philosophy as expressed by the World Core Curriculum into Canada's education system and thus shape a generation of global citizens. As an expression of the unity uh, they were to have between the earth, the universe, and to each other, the attendees received a symbolic global citizenship passport. They all got it when they went to this thing. And inside the passport were written these words. Are you ready? A good inhabitant of planet Earth, a member of the great human family, you are the Earth become conscious of herself. Unite global citizens to save and heal planet Earth. Wow. What do we know as believers in Jesus Christ? We know that this Earth is not for very long. Read Second Peter, where he says, the earth and the heavens as we know it will be destroyed. And a new heaven, and a new earth, and a new Jerusalem will come. Oh, but we are going to unite global citizens to save and heal Planet Earth, Desmond E. Berghofer, one of the conveners of this youth conference, he wrote this. Now listen carefully to what he wrote. He said, the supreme motivating concept of the future is synergy. Men and women of all nations coming together under leaders of great vision who see that the purpose, or I should say the pursuit of, of a common ideal, one world, one earth, one people, is the reason for all existence. End quote. The reason for all existence is to have a one world, one earth, and one people? Really? That's the reason for existence? I thought that the reason for existence is to give honor and glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with everything we say and everything we do. I thought that's what our reason for existence is. That's why we were created. To give honor and glory to our God and our King. Well, the amens are getting better. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Listen to carefully what it says. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Stop and think. There's always a way, a better way in their minds that seems right. You could almost actually put that's better. Man's idea is better than what God has for us. Again, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I think that's pretty clear. 
So what is it for us as believers in Jesus Christ? What is it that we need to focus upon? Psalm 119, verse 105. 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why? Because I wouldn't give you a, I wouldn't give you a rusty nickel for, for my ideas or thoughts or for yours either. But God's, oh, we'll give our lives, won't we? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to do this. I did last night. It may take us a couple of minutes extra. But hey, you get blessed. David J. Stewart compiled a list of 13 doctrines of the New Age based on the writings of Alice Bailey. How many of you have heard of Alice Bailey? Any names? Look at her. Okay, same, the same hat. A leading figure in the occult movement known as theosophy. To search out the God of wisdom through esoteric means. That's theosophy in a nutshell. She was a leading, a leading figure in the occult movement. She, she died in 1949, but she wrote a lot of this stuff that we're going to hear in just a moment. Uh, and before her death in 1949, she had written and compiled 24 books, uh, a total of 10,469 pages, most of which, by the way, were allegedly written in, the, in a trance state through her spirit guide known as Jual Kul, or the Tibetan. You know, when you read up on some of these people, you're like, what? Okay, anyway, that's where a lot of these writings came from. A demon! Okay, so, just so you'll know. Notice that the primary target in the 13 doctrines focus on children and young people. You ready? Here we go. 13 steps to destroy America's youth. Number one, the children of the future will serve one world planetary government and live in a one world culture. That comes right out of her book, Education in the New Age. Number two, patriotism to one's country must be abolished and all national barriers destroyed in order to build a new one world order. Again, from the same book, Education in the New Age. Number three, children will accept that Eastern mystical religion is to be married to Christianity of the West to forge a new unified social and religious order of universal truths. That was written in Education in the New Age. That has happened already in what is called the emergent, emerging church. The church movement called the emerging church. It's happened today. Uh, that was three. Let's go to number four. T uh, teenagers and youth will rebel and revolt against their parents and against authority to help usher in the New Age world order. Number five. Youth and all of humanity must accept that the time will inevitably come when grown-ups who refuse to become part of the new age will have to be killed. They are to be considered as lowly germs, an infection or blot on humanity that must be stamped out and eradicated. May I ask you a question? Have you heard how often over the last 20 years children are, 
are either attempting to kill their parents or have killed their parents. The numbers are staggering if you take a good look at it. That was in her book, Education in the New Age. I'm not asking you to go out and buy it. Number six, the traditional family unit is not desirable for the Aquarian or New Age. Children belong to the government, to the world and the community, the human group, not to their parents. A new kind of family unit must inevitably come into existence. Do you know that that was actually uh, uh, touted by uh, a former uh, presidential candidate of the last election when she herself had said, it takes a village to raise our children. That just comes out of the pit of hell, folks. Just thought I'd let you, let you know that. By the way, we'll talk about her more later. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Okay. See, didn't have to mention any names. Number seven, young people must be taught to believe in reincarnation and karma, which is the law of rebirth. Rather, <clears throat> rather than the resurrection and judgment teachings of the Bible. This belief must guide behavior, especially sexual conduct. Wow. Number eight, absurd and immature notions of sin and guilt must not be imparted to children by parents, teachers, pastors, and other adults. A more permissive and worldly attitude must be adopted. Number nine, children are to be taught that all religions, Christianity, witchcraft, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, paganism, etc., are equally worthwhile and that it doesn't matter in which God one believes. Number ten, the new generation of the youth must recognize that Jesus did not come to save or convert anyone because no one is lost. Is that not the deception of Genesis chapter 3? You're not going to die. You're going to become like him. Number 11, Christian doctrines such as that of heaven, hell, and judgment must be discarded and the theology of the Old Testament must be repudiated. That comes from two books. The reappearance of the Christ. Well, actually one book, the reappearance of the Christ. Notice the reappearance of the Christ. You know, the Christ is really different than Christ or Messiah. It speaks of Jesus Christ, Jesus alone. But the New Age proponent, the New Age person, likes to use the phrase the Christ to, to symbolize Christ's consciousness that we all can have. Serinthius, the, the first real Gnostic that uh, Paul uh, and John had to deal with back in the first century, Serinthius believed that Jesus had the Christ consciousness in him while he walked on the earth, but on the day that he died, the, he didn't have the consciousness, so when he died, he died as a man. That is their belief. I just thought I'd throw that in. I, I, I took more time than I should, should have. All right, verse uh, number 12. A, a new world religion must be established without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Christian church is dead and must be replaced. Alice Bailey wrote, the church today is the tomb of Christ. Is it? Anybody here dead? Are you alive? Then say so. Because Christ lives in us. The hope of glory. Number 13, the coming new age world religion will emphasize 
the unity of all religions while rejecting Jesus Christ's profound biblical statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, how similar that is in some ways to uh, certain uh, goals that the Communist Party had back in 1958 uh, that was discovered by a FBI agent named uh, W. Cleon Skousen who wrote the book The Naked Communist and points out in that very good thick book, but it's a, it's a wonderful read, well, you've got time to read it, but it, you know, it talks about what the communists were doing in infiltrating our government at the highest levels And that is seen to this day as things happening. And I want you to notice some of these goals that they had. I'm going to read them very quickly because of time. One of those goals was get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften the curriculum. Get control of teachers' uh, teachers associations. Put the party line in textbooks. 18, gain control of all student newspapers. 19, use student rights to foment public, public protests against programs or organizations which are under communist attack. 25, break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. 26, present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, healthy. 27, infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Discredit the Bible and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity which does not need a religious crutch. 28, eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expression in the schools on the ground that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. That took place in 1963. In 1963, by a sham vote in the Supreme Court, prayer was taken out of the public schools. And where have we been since? It goes on. Support any socialist movement to give centralized control over any part of the culture. Education, social agencies, welfare programs, mental health clinics. On and on and on. Discredit the family as an institution. Encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. Emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. Sound familiar? Alice Bailey. Attribute, prejudice, attribute prejudices, mental blocks, and retarding of children to suppressive influence of parents. Wow. Uh, the Naked Truth by James C. Bowers. If you have an opportunity... I'm, I'm going to try to get us some copies so that you can have it here uh, for purchase. We need to close. Romans 16, Romans 16, verses 17 to 20. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine Contrary to the doctrine. What is the doctrine? It is the teaching of the word of God. Which you have learned. And avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. 
For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto them, unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. That was true then, it is more true now. That's how close we are to the coming of Jesus Christ. The one who will bruise his heel on the cross will take that heel and crush Satan for good. Amen? 2 Timothy 4, one, one more time, I'm going to read it to you. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead of his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Folks, what we believe is not a fable. What we believe is the truth. Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is God. Amen?